Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Gig Pods. We're at number 192, 8 away from episode 200, where something special is going to happen. And when I say that, I actually mean nothing is going to happen. But regardless, tonight is a special episode as myself, Stevie, is joined by ravishing Robert Borthwick for the first Opposing Force series of the season. Now, Robert was on the last Opposing Force episode that we did back in March ahead of the Scottish Cup game at Tynecastle where Celtic ran out 3-0 winners. That must have been a right good laugh for you, Robert, watching Celtic put on their best performance of 2023 and dumping your team out of the cup. Uh, I don't think I watched the last 30 minutes, mate. I think I went to the pub. So uh, it was actually, it was an all right day for me, to be honest with you. I was, I was fine with it. I was fine with it. Wasn't bothered at all. Gritted teeth and everything there, mate. And then, um, by the way, speaking of the pub, right, I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, I want to be very careful here because what's happened, and I mean that sincerely, I've got to be very, very careful. Because we have got an amazing audience. But a couple of the gig pod clean shots who listen to us were criticising us. Can you believe that? Criticising myself, Rizzo and Dan for being in the pub too much, doing pods. Of course, Molly Malone's uh, have now joined forces with us. It's like the mega powers now, Bothwick. So we go to Molly's, we do the podcast there, and in return, we get looked after with a couple of drinks. I mean, back me up here, Robert. Is it bad or good? Pubcasts. Pub podcasts are absolutely fine, mate. I think it's uh, you've got a little bit of background noise. You've got the boys having a couple of drinks. You loosen up a wee bit. And uh, I, I've got no issue with it. I did do a, a terrace podcast in the pub years ago, um, and it was the worst sounding podcast that I've ever been involved in. So listen, there's maybe a small point there, but I'm sure you boys have all the equipment. You've got all your all your wares, all your goods, all your pints. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, the, the only thing that I'm sad about, Stevie, is, is that I'm not in the pub with you right now. The feeling is definitely mutual. Um, as my nose grows bigger and bigger here, Robert. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, genuinely mean that, man. It'd be good to be doing this in the pub. Back to COVID times doing this, Robert, over the digital means. Getting into the game um, on Sunday then, as a Hearts fan, what are the Hearts fans' thoughts in general ahead of the game? Um, what's more specifically, what are your thoughts ahead of the game? What type of start have Hearts made this season? Um, it's It's been a, a start full of false dawns, essentially. And I think that uh, 
like going into this one, we're going into a period where we're playing Celtic, Rangers, Rangers as our next three games. Uh, obviously, one of those games against Rangers is the League Cup semi-final. I think that it's not been a great start. A lot of fans are, are kind of getting on Stephen A. Smith's back. Um, I think they expected better from the run of fixtures that we had at the start of the season, which is fair enough. You know, losing games to Motherwell at home, Dundee away, draw McIlmarnock at home. You know, getting pumped out of Europe was expected against a very good Pauk team, uh, but maybe the 4-0 Drubbing that we got away from home was uh, was was just another, you know, a, another stick to beat the management team with. But generally speaking, you know, we won two on the bounce and then we played Hibs, threw away a two-goal lead. Um, we're by far and away the better team, but it doesn't matter if you don't win the game. So coming into this one, you know, it, it's a game at Tynecastle. It's the only game in the next three that's at Tynecastle. I think for a lot of fans, it's like, we need to win at least one of these next three games if, if Stephen A. Smith's going to you know, get any backing from a, a majority of the support. So this is the one that we've got to be looking to try and win. It's the one that's at Tynecastle. And listen, with the the crowd still showing up in their numbers as they do at Tynecastle, um, Stephen A. Smith needs a, a statement victory. So there's no better time to do it. Whether we can or not, obviously we'll, we'll wait and see. But it's, uh, aye, it's, not been, it's not been a great start to the season from Hearts anyway. Yeah, I'm absolutely shocked here that Celtic is the, the must-win game and the one that you're really going to try in. Well, but of course, ahead of your double-header against Rangers there. Absolutely shocked and stunned at that, mate. You and I are hands across the air, mate. Let's just say that right now. But uh, <laughs> but not like, like seriously, because like, see the wins, like the win against Rosenborg at Tynecastle was massive because that was a game that we were coming back from behind after the first leg. We won 3-1. It was a 90th-minute goal. Huge moment for for uh, Stephen A. Smith. He's not had anything else, and I think winning games at Tynecastle is a bigger deal than winning games away from home because you've got the the eighteen and eighteen or so thousand people there who are witnessing it, who are getting the the atmosphere. And honestly, like when those two goals went in against Hibs, you had that feeling. And I think that you know going to Ibrox and and getting a win, although it would be amazing, you've only got about five hundred Hearts fans there, so it's like it, it does make a difference, and it's not. It's not as much as you might try and uh, poke and prod here, Stevie. It's not about the teams that we're playing against. It's about the situation that we're in. And that's why this one, it, it does feel, it's not a must win, but it's definitely, if we win it, it gets a lot more favour for Naismith, the management team, and for the players as well, because they've been getting stuck. Shanklin's been getting a lot of stick. He's not scoring many this season. So, aye, it, it, it means a lot, and it's the first of a, a big three games for us. Me try to get a reaction out of someone? Definitely not, Robert. Doesn't sound like myself. Um, I wanted to talk specifically about Tynecastle now, Robert, because, you know, as a Celtic fan and any match um, against Hearts at Tynecastle and cliche incoming really isn't an easy place to go. And despite the fact that, you know, I'm going to have a wee dig saying Fortress Tynecastle, better halfway Bowser's Castle. I mean, it's been a happy hunting ground for us uh, with three wins in the last four visits. But as we know, it's been really difficult. And even when we won 2-0 back in May, to win the league that first half Hearts were excellent and I don't think I mean Kobayashi was uh, backed up heavily by the much maligned Carol Starfelt Robert we'll come on to him in a wee minute but yeah I mean that was that. I would actually say that was really the game that I think you started really seeing creaks uh, in Kobayashi's play Hearts to an extent broke him then Rangers well and truly uh, demolished him like a week or so after that but yeah uh, three wins on the last four visits there have, haven't been easy at all. I know the cup game was, was different, but in the league, you know, it's just by the old goal, you had that Hitachi screamer. Then the second half, it was like Hearts onslaught. They missed the penalty and everything. Then you had the 4-3 game. The, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. VR's immaculate debut where nothing went wrong at all. And then, of course, when we won the league after that, a terrible first half and guys like Hitachi and Kyogo just 
showed a class and eventually got us over the line. Wanted to talk about this uh, ticket fiasco. Um, is it an added pressure or is it a bonus ahead of the game? It's only 576 tickets available to Celtic fans. Persecuted enough that as Robert, you know this, you can have your wee pathetic dig at that, like you did in your text during the week to me. But do you think there's going to be a lot more pressure on Hearts now because there's far less Celtic fans at Tynecastle? How do you think that one's going to work out? And what is your general thoughts on that overall? I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying it's a it's not a fiasco for Hearts fans, mate. It's a fiasco for Celtic fans. We we couldn't give a fuck, if we're being totally honest, man. Um, see if it was McDermott Park and they were giving you 500 tickets. You're absolutely within your rights to have a to have a grievance there. Hearts fans are selling all of their tickets. We're giving it to Hearts fans. It's not as if there's going to be empty spaces in that stand. So there's absolutely no reason why we should give you any more than the minimum. And that's what we're giving you. Put it this way, we give you a higher percentage of time castle with 576 tickets than you do at Celtic Park, which is, what, 60-odd thousand? So why should we give you more? Because we, we we do so much for Scottish football, Robert. It's the right thing to do. Just because you're Celtic. Just because you're Celtic. No, it's absolute yes. shite. Absolute shite, mate, honestly. Like, this entitlement that because you're Celtic and because you're Rangers, you deserve all these more tickets. No, it's absolute nonsense. We will give the full stand to Hibs because they give us the full stand at Easter Road, that's fair That's fair enough. But honestly, mate, you can dry your eyes. 576 tickets is more than enough for you. You're getting more emotional about it than myself, Robert. It's honestly, I've, I've been reading all this nonsense. Was it not the, was it the Celtic Shareholders Association or some, some fan group wrote to, <laughs> wrote to Neil Doncaster uh, saying how it was a disgrace. It's a disgrace that you're only getting 576 tickets. Why should we give you more if we're selling tickets to our own fans? I think that's absolutely fine. So you can all grow up uh, and get over yourselves. Is it more pressure for Hearts? No, I don't think so. I think it's an advantage, if anything. Hopefully the players see it that way. Um, you know, whether it actually makes a difference to the way that we play on the park is, you know, remains to be seen. But the fact that we've got more Hearts fans in the stadium, there's only a wee slither of Celtic fans, as there will be with Rangers, Aberdeen, throughout the season as well. Um, you know, we should see that as a, as a good thing. We should see it as Rangers... And Celtic see it as they've got, you know, completely full stadiums with a tiny wee pizza slice of away fans hidden away in the corner. Um, you know, why should Hearts do any different if that's what Celtic and Rangers do? A lot of people see it as we daft Scottish football and what do we like, but do you know, think at times this league just eats itself and absolutely fucking hates itself? Very occasionally, aye, it does. And if you look at the ticket and like Stephen A. Smith was saying today, he's like, um, you know, he thinks it's a good thing that Hearts are prioritising Hearts fans, as Hearts should. I think that's absolutely fair enough. As Celtic should prioritise Celtic fans, Rangers with Rangers fans, go on and on. But he did say that, you know, maybe a, a minimum requirement for away tickets is is the right way to go. And, and listen, if that was brought in league-wide, which meant that Hearts didn't get, you know, 600-odd at Celtic Park and instead got, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 Celtic fans ended up getting 1,500 at Tynecastle, stuff like that, that's fine. See if it's brought in as a rule and, and the, the league sees fit that, you do want to have a certain number of away fans at, at stadiums. That's absolutely fine. But as it stands, that's not the rules. So teams should look out for themselves um, if it's in the best interest for the club. And that's that's what Hearts have done here. So I'm not against a, a minimum uh, requirement for away tickets at all. But the way it's going just now, you know, Hearts are right to be doing what they're doing. What do you say then, though, Robert, with the fact that Hearts fans haven't fully sold out their allocation for the match coming up at Hamden? So I think my annoyance with the Hamden thing is with the SPFL um, or SFA, I'm not sure. Ah, it's SPFL, it's the League Cup. Eh? So we were not given a full 
50-50 split with Rangers and also they only gave us 13,000 tickets to start with, expecting us not to sell out. We sold out our 13,000 tickets within a couple of days. They've now given us the remaining 5,000 tickets, I think it is. So we will sell out our allocation at Handon, um, which is less than 50%, which is nonsense. Um, it should have been 50% to start with. And then if we don't sell that, then absolutely fair enough, you know, sell a couple of sections to Rangers fans. And I think if it was you know, at Celtic Park, I've said this before, it is the worst away experience in Scotland. Uh, you've got an, an obscured view uh, and you're in the complete minority in a tiny wee corner of the, uh, of the stadium. If you gave Hearts more tickets, same as if you gave Hibs and Aberdeen more tickets, more fans would go. You're not in a complete minority. You're not going to absolutely certainly watch your team get hosed every single time you go there as well. And I think that, you know, if if that allocation was put up, then maybe we would see more Hearts fans going. So, yeah, that, that's that's my thoughts on it. Hearts travel really well and have done actually since coming back up after COVID, um, you know, selling out allocations all over the country. So, aye. Big bad Celtic indeed, huh? Right, we're talking about uh, on-field issues now. Jota uh, and Aaron Moy ran right in the 3-0 game back in March in the Cup. One's left to a Saudi backwater, the other one's retired. And you're much maligned hero, Carol Starfelt's now in Spain. Are you relieved that any of players are only playing on Sunday? Aye, I mean, it's a funny one, man, because Jota is like, one, he's one of the best wingers I've watched in Scotland in years. Um, absolutely superb player. He never got a huge amount of joy against us, generally speaking, like in terms of the, the amount of talent that he had. The one I'm always concerned about is still with you, which is Kyogo. He always seems to score against Hearts. He's got this Henrik Larsson, Alfredo Morelos-style hex over Hearts. He's always popping up. It's always the same goal inside the six-yard box. The ball's flashed across and he taps it in. But I, I you know, Aaron Moy was a bit of a, a bit of a Rolls-Royce. Like it was funny, he didn't seem to sit... Well, on the face of it, he didn't really fit a Postacoglu system. He wasn't a hard-running guy. But he was just such a good player with the ball at his feet. You know, a bit of a, like his countryman, Tom Rogic. You know, he, he just had he had that wee bit of magic to, to unpick defences. Um, so both of them no longer being there is obviously a, a positive for any team that Celtic are, are going to be coming up against. But you look at the goals that Matt O'Reilly's scoring this season, uh, his goal scoring rate is absolutely superb. You look at Lewis Palma is, you know, getting into his stride. It won't be long until he starts making a big difference in games. I'm sure this international break but it um, will have helped that as well. Obviously, the the fact his goal against Lazio didn't count means he'll be even more champing at the bit to, to, to try and properly start affecting things for Celtic. But listen, man, it's Celtic. Like you're, you're coming up against Kyogo, you're coming up against Matt O'Reilly. Anyone who Celtic put on the park is probably a better player than the, the player they're coming up against for Hearts. So it's going to be tough and, and Celtic always carry a lot of threats. But man, it's, it's Kyogo for me, best striker in Scottish football for many, many, many years. Uh, Stephen Naismith, now if I thought about developing players at Hearts, is there anyone that he's uh, developed? I think when I'm looking at Hearts, um, it's always Cammy Devlin as a standout player against us, but I think uh, Alex Lowry, who you've got in loan for Angels and now, he's been impressing. And as much as you're saying Shanklin's not scoring and he's not hitting heights that we know he's used to, I mean, it will be a threat against us. Look at the 4-3 game last season, but again, we'll talk about it in a wee bit. I think he came on as a sub scored a hat-trick, and Alan Forrest as well, the other week, scored an absolute screamer. So I, is there any players that Naismith has actually helped enhance? Yutaro Oda, the Japanese winger, uh, didn't get a sniff really under Robbie Nielsen, and as soon as Naismith came in, he started playing him. And he's made a difference. He's lightning fast, really, really quick. He's not quite got the decision-making yet. Um, he sometimes dallies a bit too much, crosses when he should shoot, shoots when he should cross and all that kind of stuff. But he's coming on to... Coming on to a game, he's back from injury. He's in the squad uh, this weekend. So I'll be interested to see 
if he comes in from the start because Alan Forrest uh, in the last couple of weeks has improved so much. Like I'd, I'd kind of lost hope a wee bit with Alan Forrest. Um, he, he was too much of a winger. Like he, he wasn't affecting games enough. He was playing at wing back. He was playing out of position. But the goal he scored against Hibs and the performance he put in, you know, man of the match, best player on the park. You know that that came off the back of him coming off the bench, scoring the winner against Ross County. So he's in some form. And yeah, Alex Lowry is an interesting one, man. I think that the way that he's been hyped up as young players at Rangers and Celtic do get hyped up. Uh, the expectation was he would come straight into this heart starting 11 and he would just hit the ground running. He would be superb, be our best player. That wasn't the case. Uh, he came in, had some some flashy moments, looked all right, and then completely got his confidence knocked in a couple of games. And he's really been a bit part right up until he came off the bench, uh, scored the winner against Kelly in the League Cup. And then since then, he's, he's kicked on, got the assist for Alan Forrest winner uh, against Ross County and then was superb against Hibs. A lot of fans, you know, kind of think that him going off is, is what changed the game a wee bit in Hibs' favour uh, because he was he was the best player on the park up until that moment. You know, he, he didn't score the second. It was a, an own goal from Dodge, but it was his run into the box, hitting a shot that then bounced off him. He hit the post in the first half. He pulled a good save out of David Marshall. So, you know, a threat both with assists and goals is, is what he's become. So I think he'll be an important one. I, I can see him starting as well. I can see him and Forrest both starting in this game against Celtic. So, yeah, listen, we, we've got threats. We've got good players. We're a decent team. To my mind, you know, Hearts, Celtic, uh, sorry, Hearts, Aberdeen and Hibs should be fighting it out for that that third spot. They've all got similar levels of quality in their team. So, yeah, we've got good players. And like you say, Cammy Devlin, man, he he keeps impressing. Like, I'd, quietly, though, obviously, he's not going to score loads of goals. He's not going to make headlines, but I absolutely love him. And he's the sort of player we need in this game, someone who's going to disrupt, win the ball back, and try and get us moving forward. You know, he was a player for Hearts I admired, and he's kind of fell off, as the TikTok mob say now. Kobe Civic, is he still kicking the ball? Yeah, so he'll probably start at right back. Uh, Nathaniel Atkinson, it might be Odell Fire, who we've got on loan from Brighton. But Civic's come in, uh, Nathaniel Atkinson injured himself against St Mirren uh, and Civic has been sort of standing in at right back. And I'd, I really like him, man. Like He's the sort of defender that if you play him in the middle, uh, he'll step forward with the ball. He's, he's really powerful, really quick, decent enough with the ball at his feet. And then obviously at right back, you can take those attributes with uh, without having to rely on defending quite as much. Um, so I, I, I like Civic. He's, he's maybe not an automatic starter in this team, um, but he's someone who can make an impact and make a difference when he does play. And I know that uh, your favourite player and mine, Alex Cochran, is back from injury as well. So Cochran's coming back in. He'll start a left-back because Stephen Kingsley's out injured, uh, came off against Hibs. So Cochran will come straight back into the, the starting lineup, you'd imagine. So that's a big positive for Hearts, having, you know, for me, our best out-and-out left-back back in the team uh, and, and starting the game. Good player, but silly boy in the game in May because Hearts were very much in the game and held down uh, Maida, wasn't he? Sent off twice against Celtic last season and got sent off against Hibs as well. So uh, he, he needs to watch it a wee bit and be a bit more disciplined, but he's such a solid player, man. He's, he's brilliant. And see, going forward, like, not dissimilar to Greg Taylor and, and the role that he was playing under Postacoglu, like coming inside, being inverted, being that extra man in the midfield to, to give you an overload and, and get forward as well. So, 
I, I love Alex Cochran. I absolutely love him. Yeah, he's a good player. I've always said that to you quite consistently now. Anything I've been watching, Hearts, certainly in the bigger games too. Uh, Brendan Rodgers returns to Tynecastle as well, second stint as Celtic manager. Right, so I'm going to have to, I've not got the stats in front of me here, so I'm going to go with my good old Rain Man memory, which you and why possess, Robert. Pretty sure we won two of the games at Tynecastle, including uh, clinching the league there in his first season. Second season, of course, there was that game you'll no doubt have a great memory of, the 4-0-1 in December. And then we won 3-0, no, 3-1 after the split. There was only one game at Tynecastle the season after. Lafferty scored a screaming of a volley. And then it was Neil Lennon who took over for the 2-1-1 the next time we visited. But yeah, I think uh, if I was to think of the favourite Brendan memory, it would actually probably be the, the first game when Sinclair scored to kick off the rain. I thought that was a it was a tough game because you know Hearts were well in the match as well. It's a bit of rare Lee Griffiths pace that actually got him down the line, cracking ball in. Sinclair took his goal well, um, so that's probably my favourite memory there. Very quickly here before we move on to the four three game to discuss our memories of that. What's your uh, memories of Brendan Rodgers Celtic teams at Tynecastle? Uh, I, I like to forget about the negatives and focus on the positives, mate. Uh, the four 0 game ending that sixty nine game, nice uh, unbeaten run. Was was superb because you look at the Hearts lineup that day and it was pish. Like honestly, like Michael Smith and Christoph Berra played at centre half. Uh, Connor Randall was right back, I think. Ross Callahan, Harry Cochran, that's sixteen years old, was starting. David Milinkovic, Kyle Lafferty. It just it wasn't a, it wasn't a full strength Hearts team, and we we dismantled you. Um, I think the interesting thing at that time, which which I remember like context wise, was obviously you'd, you'd had that mad unbeaten run but the wheels were starting to slightly come off before that game at Tynecastle there was inconsistencies with your results you were losing silly goals maybe drawing against the likes of St Johnston and stuff like that so it felt like a loss was coming and it was just a perfect storm that day uh, I was brutally hung over I'd been at a Mogwai gig the night before I was so hung over I didn't even celebrate the two first half goals because I thought I was going to be sick so I just stood up and held my arms aloft uh, for Cochrane and Lafferty's goals, but um, I what a day that was, man! What a laugh it was as well. Honestly, beating beating Celtic at Tynecastle was always good. Beating them four 0 at Tynecastle is is pretty much unheard of. Uh, and then the season after the, the the Lafferty goal, that was the game that Christoph Berra ripped his hamstring off the bone as well. Uh, Berra had been superb for us up until then, and he, he never really recovered after that. But Lafferty's goal that might have been his last goal for us as well because he signed for Rangers quite soon after. And then Rogers left Celtic, obviously, before you, you came to Tynecastle uh, again after that. So, listen, two two great memories. I think the the one that you clinched the title was that five nil, five nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was April twenty seventeen. Destroyed us. I think Stuart Armstrong scored an absolute screamer in that game as well. So, it's those sorts of games. Like, see, when it always seems to be when Celtic need to tie up the title, they're they're travelling to Tynecastle. And that's the game that they have to do, and and they always do. So yeah, it's I, I tend to forget those ones, Stevie, and just uh, look at the good ones. So Sunday, it's going to be a year to the day. Can you believe it? One year to the day of that four three game at Tynecastle last season, Robert. Let's talk memories of it. We had legitimate handballs. We had VAR not being controversial at all. And Rangers were jealous at all your penalties in that match. So uh, you can also talk. I was absolutely wellied after that game, but I was in a total roller coaster that match and. On 67 Hail Hail with Hamish. Um, it's still there, the video's still there of me going into a massive rant about VAR. I think the referee at the time was that great guy. Oh, what's his face? Robert, who was it? Remember me? Who was his name? Oh, uh, Nick Walsh. Nick Walsh. Aye. 
Aye. Night at Walsh. Oh God, I was oh, I was livid that game. I mean, of course, typical Celtic fan here. Can I just enjoy the three points? I've got to find another angle, Robert. But oh, what a game! What a game it was. But you on the were you in comms that day for Hearts TV? Aye. So this this was the the first televised match of football in Scotland that had VAR uh, involved, and I was uh, doing lead commentary. So I usually do co-commentary, but I was in charge for this because Laurie Dunsire, uh, I think he had just had his son. Um, so I was basically put in charge and my monitor, I was sitting next to Big Ian Crocker. Who will have their say on Derby Day? And uh, and I was sitting next to him, but I could see his screen, but I couldn't hear what was actually being said from the VAR. So I was doing it blind. Oh, wow. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. It's a huge maroon moment for Hart. And um, like honestly, I, I could see the screen, couldn't hear a, a thing. And uh, I think it was the, the Michael Smith handball that wasn't given. Just at the end of that first half, James Forrest cutting in from the line, wasn't it? And uh, it hit off Michael Smith. So they were checking that for ages, right? But I hadn't seen a replay. So I didn't know what was going on. And then the two Hearts penalties were both won by Cammy Devlin, weren't they? There was Devlin running into the box for both of them. CCV in a real lapse uh, of concentration gave the first one away. Second one, I think Jens, it was Jens on, I don't know if it was Devlin, Stonewaller anyway. It was, it was Devlin, Devlin running into the box for both of them. I have to say that both of them, upon review, were penalties. Devlin got there first for both of them. I think obviously the sticky issue was the, the Michael Smith handball, which to be honest with you, at the time I was like, it has come from a short distance and all that. But the, you look at the handballs that are given now, that should have been a penalty. Um, but what a game it was, man. It was pissing it down with Ian as well. Uh, Hearts played really well. Obviously, Shanklin getting the hat-trick. Uh, having to retake his penalty, I think, because uh, because uh, Ginelli scored the rebound, uh, but he'd encroached in the box and then he slotted it away, obviously, for his hat-trick. And then Greg Taylor uh, scoring the, the winning goal. Obviously, being on the receiving end of that was was minging. Uh, if, if you score three against Celtic, you hope you get a result out of it. We weren't able to, but um, it was a great game of football, man. And again, it's like that was indicative of what Postacoglu's football could bring to Scottish football in terms of the defending wasn't great, but as an attacking force, Celtic were were dangerous and, and looked like scoring every time they went forward. And then, obviously, Lauren Shankland getting the, getting the hat-trick and Josh Ginelli was superb again that day. So, great game of football, man. And I, I one year to the day. Are you going to be in the stands or will you be back on Hearts TV for it on Sunday? I will be in the stands, mate. My first full of bio at Tynecastle, no doubt. First, uh, first, first league game in the stands because I was uh, been in the stands for the European ones. But uh, aye, so I'll be in my season ticket seat, mate, as far away from the Celtic fans as possible, and uh, enjoying myself. Hopefully, enjoying myself. It was the actually the the four 0 game was the the first Heart Celtic game that I went to in that season ticket seat. So. See how we get on. So where is the season ticket seat? Not exactly, but is it at the more vitriolic end? The Hearts fans, or are you in a, a decent area of Hearts fans? I used to be. So I used to be in Section G lower, which was uh, right down next to, when you've got the full stand, right down next to the Celtic fans in the wheat field. Uh, but I'm now Section T, which is the main stand, right at the far end, away from the, like the other side of goals, basically, from the from the away end. So I'm down there. Uh, great view. Like, Tynecastle's Tyne just a class place to watch football. I don't think you can get a bad seat. At Tynecastle, uh, you've always got a great view, and obviously the the steepness of the stands and all that. It's uh, it's class, mate. I, I really like sitting there, um, and I've still got a decent enough view of the way fans leaving uh, when Hearts are when Hearts are winning. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see that on uh, 
on Sunday night. Aye, very good, mate. Section T as well, T for Terrace, because you're still doing that. I believe you're on season six of that telly show. How's it going? You enjoying it? Yeah, mate, it's class season six, yeah. Um, got another episode coming out on Friday, so we're every week for the next six weeks, we're on episode four now of this uh, of this new season. Then we've got another ten after the, the Christmas break as well. So, aye, it's class, mate. It's really good. Um Obviously, Celtic fans don't usually tend to enjoy it all that much. There's not a huge amount of Celtic representation uh, on the show, but um, well, discrimination. Lot. I'm disgusted. It's I don't, listen, mate. There's even less Rangers stuff because we've actually got one Celtic fan who comes on now, and uh, Amy Canavan. So there you go. But I know it's it's class, man. Really enjoy doing it. Just enjoying it while it lasts, as as per anything. So aye, it's good, man. And a bit like Brendan Rodgers, uh, I'm actually anti-social media these days, so you can't find me anywhere. But you. You're all over that internet still, aren't you? So any uh, GigPod listeners that want to abuse you or just know more about you, where can they get you? Uh, I'm at RF Borthwick on Twitter, um, and that's basically all I use now because the internet is an absolute hovel. So I RF Borthwick on Twitter, and uh, listen, if, if you want to follow the TV show, it's at the Terrace TV, but that's completely up to you. We get enough abuse on there already but if you want to add to that then then please please do listen start doing it in a pub mate it'll go up it'll go up even more <laughs> robert i uh, really appreciate you coming on and not only that um we've just decided haven't we before we went on air gonna get a wee pint on saturday aye 100% mate let's do it i'll be uh i'll be in the city center of glasgow so i'll uh i'll i'll come and meet you somewhere have a couple of a couple of jars oh it'd be silly not to <laughs> uh we're going to be back on sunday Yes, we are going to be in the pub. We're going to be at Molly Malone's, myself and Rizzo, and we'll be reviewing the game at Tynecastle. But again, thanks to Robert for coming on. Really, really appreciated. Thanks to you all for tuning in. As always, your downloads are massively appreciated too. Higher than ever. And we'll chat to you on Sunday. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.